And we welcome you back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is week three of NEC Football on the Run. It was a big weekend of action this past week, a, a wet weekend of action, really, a, a slate that included our first conference game of the season, and that was a thriller. Coming up on the show, we'll go through the top stars, we'll chat about some stats, we'll preview the upcoming weekend's big games, and we'll welcome in Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett for our weekly conversation. But first, let's take you back through the week that was with our top headlines. It's time for our pick six. And we will start by talking about the biggest winner of the weekend, the weather. The weather just plowed through and pretty much dominated NEC competition this weekend. I mean, we were just talking about the length of games last week with the new NCAA football clock rules speeding up the opening weekend. Well, Mother Nature must not have been a big fan of those uh, speeding up college football rules because uh, Mother Nature came through and definitely slowed things down. Uh, here is some of the damage that Mother Nature did uh, this past Saturday, uh, starting with Sacred Heart and Georgetown. This was a game that had a two-hour halftime due to thunder and lightning, and then they went into a second weather stoppage about a minute into the fourth quarter, and the game ended up having to be called 14 minutes early due to the severe weather. Then Wagner had to sit through a delay. They actually kicked the game off a half hour later than originally scheduled against Navy, and then there was also a weather delay at the start of the third quarter. Duquesne had to sit through a near two-hour rain delay down in West Virginia against the Mountaineers. LIU and Bryant had a lightning delay in their matchup. And then you had Merrimack, poor Merrimack. They had to move their game against Lehigh, their home opener on campus. They had to move it to Harvard Stadium after severe weather and power outages around the Merrimack campus area on Friday night. So short notice, find a field, get out there and play. And then when they finally got to Harvard, there was a two and a half hour delay. So congratulations, whether you unanimously win the weekend, you're the goat. We're not worthy. Never do that again. Let's go to story two. Now in between all the delays, there actually was a little bit of football being played, believe it or not. And the biggest game of the week, the first conference game of the season between Central Connecticut State and Stonehill from a root field to New Britain, Connecticut. That was one of the rare games this week that didn't feature any major delays due to the weather in the Northeast. You had Stonehill leading 23-7 to going into the third quarter. And then with 10 minutes to go in regulation, Central Connecticut State started to creep closer. Damian Johnson, we talked about his speed last week. He was motioning far side to near side, took the handoff. Rushed to the right, untouched, 30 yards to the end zone. Two-point conversion is good. That made it 23-15. to 15. Then after Stonehill went three and out central, got a special, special teams play. A blocked punt by Trey Howe, then scooped it up and scampered 15 yards to the end zone. Central would then convert another two-point conversion. And just like that, touchdown two-pointer, touchdown two-pointer, 16-point lead, gone, game tied at 23. Now Stonehill would get a touchdown, but central would then answer that with one Oh three to go. So the game is tied at 30 with one Oh three to go. Stonehill would get the ball back. They go that no huddle offense that they like to do third and four at their own 44 with 40 seconds left. Biggest play of the game. They give it to the guy who you would expect them to give the football to in that situation. Jermaine Corbett, boom, 17 yard run, for a first down on third and four that got them into field goal range. And it set up a 52 yard field goal try 
for Perry Shelbred with two seconds left, and he drilled it. Stonehill, they start 1-0 in NEC play for a second straight year. Remember last year, they upset Duquesne in their conference opener. This year, they take down Central 33-30, eight plays, 40 yards in a minute, three seconds on that final drive for the game-winning field goal. The 52-yarder ties a Stonehill program record for longest field goal. It was the longest field goal by a Northeast Conference kicker since Wagner's Jane Cooper's 52-yarder against Sacred Heart. The NEC record, by the way, 56 yards, so it was a couple of yards off that mark. That was Peter Check against SFU, uh, the Wagner kicker, back in 2007. Big difference in this game besides who had the ball last in this back-and-forth affair was turnovers. Five fumbles, three lost for Central Connecticut State. Got them in an early hole. Eventually, they couldn't dig themselves all the way out of it. So Stonehill starts 1-0 in conference play. Central at 0-1. Elsewhere, we mentioned LIU Bryant in a delay. LIU fell to Bryant. 21 to 10 in Rhode Island. But the big story in this game was the injury to Sharks quarterback, Lucas Stanzani at the start of the second quarter. Stanzani ran for 19 yards. We know he has that mobility. He could escape. He could try to make plays happen with his feet. He ran 19 yards inside the Bulldog 15, just as the Sharks was approaching the end zone, but he took a hit, lost the football and he did not return. Now, it was only 6 nothing Bryant at the time. So LIU was driving to try and get a touchdown, and then with the extra point, take a lead. But again, they turn it over. They lose their quarterback. The Bulldogs would outscore the Sharks 15-10 to the rest of the way. So now LIU, they turn to freshman southpaw Chris Howell at the controls, and he went 9-for-19 for 139 yards in his uh, in his time at quarterback. Maurice Smith and Ethan Greenwood came in and threw passes in the game as well, but LIU unable to overcome the loss of Stanzani, three turnovers as well. And you know, the road doesn't really get any easier for the Sharks because the Sharks are in Waco next week at Baylor. So uh, a big-time test on the road uh, might be shorthanded. And, of course, our best wishes are with uh, Luca, a former guest of ours here on the show, and uh, we hope uh, for a speedy recovery uh, as soon as possible. Now, story number four, as we mentioned earlier, Saturday was supposed to be the home opener for Merrimack at Dwayne Stadium against Lehigh. However, the game site was moved about 29 miles south to Harvard Stadium due to power outages and severe weather. Merrimack was trailing 14 to six in the third quarter. Their quarterback, Gavin McCusker, ran it in from two yards out, but the two-point try to try and tie it at 14 was unsuccessful, so the Mountain Hawks retained a two-point advantage, 14-12. to 12. And then in the fourth quarter, Merrimack had a pair of chances, first fourth and four at the Lehigh 35, and that was tough field position. It was really decision time because you're fourth and four. If this is one of those situations where it would have been a 52, 53 yard field goal to try and take the lead for their kicker, Liam Davis, his career long was 46. And that was earlier in this very game. So maybe you're stretching your kickers, you know, length in terms of a field goal try, but you're, you're too close to the, to the, to the end zone to, to punt it. It's fourth and four, so it's kind of fourth and medium. So maybe you can got, kind of go for it. So there's a lot of decisions swirling through the coaching staff's mind that they had to make in a very quick 
period of time. They opt to go for it. So out of all those options, not kick the long field goal, not punt, try to pin your opponent deep. They opt to go for it on fourth and four, and McCusker throws incomplete. They turn it over on downs. Then they would have another chance. Three minutes to go. They're driving. That They're at the Lehigh 29, which if they stopped there, that would have been a 47-yard field goal try again. Their kicker's career long earlier in this very game in the elements, 46 yards. So they were at the 29, which would have been a 47-yarder. So you're right there. But then bad things start to happen. A false start penalty pushed them back five. A sack for a loss of 11. And then before you know it, at the 29-yard line for a 47-yard field goal, you're at fourth and 25 at the 44 yard line. So now you're looking what like a 60 yard field goal. So you have to go for it. And on fourth and a mile, McCusker was sacked again. So Lehigh held on the marathon in the elements with all the delays, the venue switch 14 to 12. They survive it all. Merrimack only had 90 pass yards in this game and they were one for 14 on third down, but a bright spot. Their running back time at Edmonds jr. Had himself a day. He ran for a career high 140 yards. Story number five, we check in on the reigning champions following their season opening setback last week at Western Michigan. Their SFU red flash were back on the road to challenge interstate rivals and former NEC rivals, the Robert Morris Colonials. These two know each other very well. And uh, you hate to say this, but the key to the game was the coin toss. As Robert Morris down 14 to 10 late in the first half, they pulled off the old two for one scoring, you know, score at the end of the first half and then win the coin toss, defer to the second half, get the football out of the locker room, go down and score again. So really like two scores before the other team ever has a real chance to possess the football. Robert Morris got a touchdown pass with 34 seconds left in the first half. SFU ran two plays to run out the clock. Then Robert Morris got the kickoff to start the second half. Six plays, 65 yards, two minutes, 23 seconds. So just like that, that from down 14-10 to now up 24-14, the two for one. They would score another touchdown off a Cole Doyle interception. They would go up 34-14. And Robert Morris would go on to win 31-21. SFU is still trying to find that rhythm offensively. They only had 255 yards of offense. They had 281 last week. Remember, this was a team that averaged 429 yards per game last year. In fact, in their first two games of last season, they went over 350 in both of those two games. They didn't get over 280 in either of their, those two games this year. So they're a little bit off. Last year's pace, which could be expected because there's plenty of new pieces, especially at the skill positions, to get acclimated and familiar in this offense. One of those pieces, though, a player who has an expanded role this year is wide receiver Casey McKinney, and, and he had eight catches for 111 yards and a touchdown, a big day. We'll be talking about him coming up in a little bit. Kashawn Holmes had a touchdown run in each of his first two games now, and SFU is going to try to get things going, perhaps Get a measure of revenge as well as they go up against the Delaware Blue Hens, the team that knocked them out of the FCS playoffs last year. The rematch will be down in Delaware on Saturday. And finally, elsewhere in the NEC on Saturday, Georgetown defeated Sacred Heart in a weather-shortened game 24-10. Navy blanked Wagner 24-zip. West Virginia defeated Duquesne 56-17. The standings have Stonehill all alone in first place with a 1-0 conference record, 1-1 overall. 
Duquesne one and one overall, LIU, Merrimack, Sacred Heart, SFU, and Wagner all zero and two overall, and Central Connecticut they are one and one but zero and one in NEC play. Time now for our top three stars of the week. Plenty of candidates to choose from, but we start with number three, and that is SFU wide receiver Casey McKinney, who had eight catches for 111 yards and a touchdown, as we just mentioned. That one touchdown was a 53-yard touchdown in the middle of the second quarter off a bomb from Cole Doyle. McKinney got past two defenders and was wide open at the goal line. Doyle launched it from his own 40. It was caught inside the Colonial 5, so the ball traveled at least 55 yards in the air, and McKinney, again, using his speed to get past the safeties. He was wide open, and uh, he was able to get the score. A career day for the SFU wide receiver, over 100 yards for the first time in his career. And by the way, that 53-yarder, his first career touchdown. Star number two this week, it's Stonehill kicker Perry Shellbread. The Ridgefield, Connecticut native had a game-winning, program-record-tying 52-yard field goal as time expired to clinch the 33-30 Skyhawks win over Central in the NEC opener. Shellbread's kick was the longest by an NEC kicker since 2016. And our top star of the week, it's Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett, who had 28 carries for 182 yards and a score. Also five catches for 57 yards in the passing game, a total of 238 all-purpose yards. It was Corbett's fifth career 100-yard rushing game, and he leads the league in rushing yards through two weeks. He's also number one so far this year with three rushing touchdowns. Corbett, our top star of the week, and he joins us right now as this week's special guest. And we're joined now by Stonehill running back Jermaine Corbett. Jermaine, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Appreciate that. Well, one of our returning guests from last season. And, and you had a big game this past weekend in the conference opener. You know, I have to ask, though, you know, Central, you know, they, they were down 16 in the fourth quarter. And then they got a touchdown and a two-pointer, block punt touchdown, two-pointer. All of a sudden, the game's tied. So what, what was kind of the feeling on the sideline like? Were you a little on edge or did you feel like you had them all the way? Um, I mean, you know, like come them, them coming back from a few points was was pretty hard, but you know, we we just stayed at it. I think our coach pretty hard he harps on it to just finish, 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 and I think that was the number one like key to winning that day, just finishing. It's I would imagine that the coaching, like you said, kind of had a big part in it to kind of stay focused and and like hey, there's still game left. You know, it doesn't matter that the other team's coming back. We 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 have the ball and we could still win it, right? Yep. So I, I want to talk about Perry. You know, he, he's going for that 52-yarder. When you're on the sideline, you know, were, were you watching? Were you, you know, trying to peek? Like, what, 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 what were you doing when uh, he was lining up for that kick? Um. So, yeah. So, like, they first day, like, they tried to ice him. They called a timeout. So we're all just sitting there. We're like, this is me and Noah Canty, our, our tight end. We're just sitting there. We took a knee. We're like, Perry's going to hit this. Like, he's going to make this. We just looked at each other. We put our head down. He kicked it. We looked up. And it just went in and we were just screaming and running on the field. It, it, was, it was just a great moment. And you, you had a big play on third down earlier in that drive, a big 17-yard run to kind of set up uh, that. What, what were, Did you guys know kind of going into that drive kind of where you needed to get him around in order to get into into range? Um, Pretty much Um, I could say yes because, like, we, we do it in practice a lot, you know. Our, our coach, our coach, like he harps on just situational football. And that moment right there was just a situational football type of play, and it showed like how, how we do it in practice. We did it in the game, and it worked. 
Now, you, you guys kind of got off a little bit luckier than a lot of the other NEC teams this past weekend in terms of the weather. There are a lot of teams that kind of had it worse. When, when you're playing in elements, whether it's rain or wind, uh, is that something as a running back that, that you kind of relish that, like kind of you know, get to that ground game, you know, when the, when the elements get, get, get into effect? Uh, actually, yeah, our coach, our coach talked about it like that, that Monday going into the week of the game. He's like, we already we had some weather, some weather changes, might rain. So we're, we're going to run a football. I'm like, all right, coach. Like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> you look, look in your chops, right? <laughs> then the big boys up front, they got it done and we, we came out with the win. You know, you guys had a tough game week one against a really good team. And then you won the NEC opener, which you did last year when you beat Duquesne in the NEC opener and now beat Central. So what in your mind, what is the biggest difference with the team that you had last year and now the team that you have this year, year two in the NEC? Um, I think with the team last year, we were we were very young Um, and with the team this year, like a lot of people got experience last season. So which helps for this season. And I just think that we're all more faster. We know the game. We know. We know what to expect now because last season was our first season going into it. So I feel like we're all starting to get better, more comfortable playing in this division. Certainly comfortable, even more comfortable. The fact that you have an NEC win already under your belt, you know, don't play conference again for a couple more weeks. So what does the team need to do over these next couple of weeks as you're facing non-conference competition to kind of keep the momentum going for when that conference schedule hits back in in October? Um, I think we just stick stick to our 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 base our base concepts and and just just base football. You know, um, we're hard to stop once once we get a rhythm, as you, like you can see. You know, um, and with the coaching, the coaching has been pretty good. And I think if they're going, all the guys are going, then is it, we're going to be pretty hard to be stopped. And you, you've been hard to stop so far this year. You know, through two weeks, you you lead the league in rushing, also lead it with three touchdowns. Are are, are those kind of individual goals for you to, you know, with all those rushing yards and all those touchdowns? Um, Yeah, I mean, all, all, the, all, all my old linemen, they're always like, like, we need you. We need you to be All-American this season, all-conference. Be the guy, be the dude. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm looking up to them like, hey, I need you. You need me. Let, let's do this thing. Just pair it up and just, just go, go, go with it. If you don't shoot for the stars, you don't know what's possible, right? So shoot high. <laughs> all right, let, let's go. Let's go to our final five questions. These are rapid fire. So hit us with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. All right. Favorite color. Favorite color. Purple. There you go. Finally, <laughs> someone got the question right. Good job. All right. Now, last year, you gave us some good recommendations of some food places around campus. But uh, when when it's a cheat day for you, what's your favorite snack or junk food? Ah. Uh... It's tough. I could probably say Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is probably probably one of my like junk foods, but still kind of healthy, kind of not, but you know. Sure, sure. No, we'll go, we'll, we'll go with healthy. Yeah. Sure. I'm with you. Uh when, when you're on a long road trip, what's uh what's the the long road trip movie that you like to watch to pop on the the device? Oh, <laughs> uh, so we usually we usually watch like movies that's on the bus. So probably like Dodgeball or like Top Gun, stuff like that. Who who gets to pick the coaches, the seniors? Who gets to pick uh, the movies? Usually the coaches. They they usually pick pretty good movies. Okay, all right. Uh, if your teammates could uh, describe you using any word or phrase, what what word or phrase do you think it would be? Um, I would say quiet or humble. Okay, quiet or and, humble. And and finally, you know, we we talked about this at media day. Uh, you big, big Giants guy, New Jersey guy, MetLife Stadium. So I got to ask. Who finishes 2023 with more rushing touchdowns, Jermaine Corbett or Saquon Barkley? 
Lane Corbett. <laughs> well, you, you you have a three touchdown head start, so there you go. Yeah. Jermaine, great start to the season, great game Thank and you. great win on Saturday, and we look forward to seeing you with uh, great success the rest of the way. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a good one. You too. Be sure to check out our full NEC football on the run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's time now for Stat Chat, and we take a closer look at the Central Connecticut State offense. Even in defeat this week to Stonehill, they still put up big numbers. Another 30-point game, back-to-back 30-point scoring games for Central for the first time in nearly two seasons. Nationally, they have the seventh-ranked total offense in the entire country, set 474 yards per game, and their passing offense, Top 10 as well, averaging 276 and a half yards per game. And by the way, while we're looking at the nation's leaders, we see over there Duquesne, the Duquesne Dukes, top five or top uh, number two in the country, I should say, plus five in turnover differential, but only behind Kennesaw State, who's plus seven. By the way, Duquesne last year, they finished minus four. So this year, plus five, quite the turnaround for a Dukes team through the first two games. Uh, so we'll see if they can keep that up the rest of the way. But uh, we see you there holding on to the football, taking it away from other opponents. Good job, Duquesne. Something to keep our eye on the rest of the season. And finally, let's examine our week three schedule. Here's what's coming up this weekend on tap. We start with Central Connecticut State. You have those big numbers on offense. And, uh, well, we'll see how it goes against Kent State. Kent State defeated LIU 63-10 to last year, so Central can use all the offense that they can bring to the table. This year, though, the Golden Flashes are 0-2. Losses to Central Florida, loss to Arkansas as well. This is their home opener, and it comes Saturday at noon on ESPN+. Georgetown back at it against NEC competition. Last week, couldn't quite finish the game. A weather-shortened affair against Sacred Heart. This year, they take on the NEC's number one team, at least at the moment. The Stonehill Skyhawks coming off that big win against Central Connecticut State. Look to keep it going down in the nation's capital. 12.30 p.m. kick. LIU, as we mentioned, they will be on the road against the Baylor Bears. That's a noon kickoff on ESPN+. Merrimack hosting... Hopefully at Dwayne Stadium in their home opener, unless you know crazy things happen again with the weather. We'll see. Hopefully it goes down. They'll be hosting the Virginia Academy of Lynchburg 6 p.m. kick. Duquesne will be visiting Coastal Carolina. Now remember, Coastal Carolina, that's the team that went 11 and one back in 2020, got ranked 12th in the country in FBS. Um, had a big bowl game as well. Uh, remember, during that 2020 season, uh, Coastal Carolina actually had a game scheduled with Duquesne as part of that 11-1 and 2020 season, but that game got canceled as Duquesne didn't play until the following spring due to the pandemic. So they didn't get to play in 2020. They will finally meet Saturday, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. And two games that we want to feature coming up this weekend, it's SFU Delaware. We talked about it 10 months ago. It was back on November 26th, Delaware defeating NEC champion SFU 56-17 in the FCS playoffs. The Blue Hens got off to a 28-3 halftime lead. They went up 35-3 at the start of the third quarter. SFU got a couple of second-half touchdowns in there, but they saw their season come to an end. We'll see if they could start to get some momentum going before they hit conference play against a very tough opponent, a revenge game. 6 p.m. kick down in Delaware. And finally, back to NEC action. It's Wagner and Sacred Heart. 
1 p.m. Campus Field, Fairfield, Connecticut, on NEC front row. Sacred Heart has won the last four meetings against the Wagner Seahawks, including 38-28 to 28 last November in New York. It was a, a game that was never really out of reach, was on the edge of your seat to see who would pull it out. Sacred Heart winning by 10 at the end. Malik Grant had a big day, 20 carries for 165, two rushing touchdowns, had a receiving touchdown as well. You know Sacred Heart still stewing after you know falling short at the goal line against Lafayette two weeks ago, not being able to finish their game last week. I'm sure they have a lot of frustration that they're ready to unleash on the Wagner Seahawks in their first conference matchup of the season. So we will see what happens. Wagner, Sacred Heart, 1 p.m., Fairfield, Connecticut, and you can follow it on NEC Front Row. Well, that'll just about do it for this week's episode. Enjoy week three of NEC football, and we will see you right back here to wrap it all up next week. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.